opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening and welcome to Tuesday Topics. That is strange music. Um, we we do appreciate um, uh, it, it being clear that our opinions are not necessarily those of, uh, of ACB. And, and that probably is going to be particularly true tonight uh, because we're going to be talking about propaganda, or at least to a degree we are. We're going to be talking about whether, uh, whether entities who are working with people who are blind uh, actually um, have a brand and a notion of the kind of image that they want to create, um, which colors the way that they sell the organization that they're a part of. And that applies to rehabilitation agencies. It applies to service organizations like uh, the American Foundation for the Blind. And it certainly, I think, applies to organizations of the blind, like the American Council of the Blind, and the National Federation of the Blind. So we will see where this topic goes. And to help us to discuss uh, some of the issues that surround these things, uh, my co-host Brian Charlson is here. Hello, Brian. Hi there. Hi there. I'm yeah. sitting here in my Lazy Boy recline. Not Well, it's not Lazy Boy. I don't buy brand name things. I don't want to pay for the advertising. Yes. But I'm ready yeah, got my boxing gloves on. That's very good. <clears throat> That's excellent. And uh, we we have the the recognizer of all of you, Miss Marianne. Hello, Miss Marianne. Hello, Paul. I do not have my boxing gloves on. <laughs> That's a I'm good thing. That would ruin your nails. Yeah. <laughs> ah. and, and mine mine just got manicured today too. Um, we were last week. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we have our producer-in-chief, Mr. Rick Morin. Hi, Rick. Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm wearing my boxers. Oh. <laughs> Different than boxing gloves, yes. Yeah. I guess, yeah, yeah. I guess so. You must, be, you must be pretty large if you can wear more than one boxer. Or branded. <laughs> oh, boy. And, we have definitely descended. <laughs> And we have Mr. Larry Gaspin, who is our streamer. Hey, Larry. Hi. I'm not wearing anything. What are you wearing? Nothing. <laughs> that was coming. <laughs> then you know me pretty so well. <laughs> Getting. <laughs> Great. So, <clears throat> what does this say about our brands, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> and the propaganda that, 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 that we're attempting to create here. We're um, off to a great start. <laughs> nevertheless, um, in, in when when we did uh, our last program, which was at, in 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 the Neolithic age, a long time ago, um, we we talked about the degree to which uh, virtually every component of our lives um, has a problem with the truth, whether it is the news media, whether it is um, whether it is AI, um, whether it is uh, whether it is our our government, uh, whether it is other governments, and 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 I think we decided that one of the things that we had to recognize 
was that it is extremely difficult uh, for any of us to navigate the world that we're a part of now and to be sure that what we're getting is uh, unvarnished truth. Um, and in fact, we could probably argue that unvarnished truth or truth itself um, is becoming harder and harder to recognize in the environment in which we operate. What we had planned to do um, in the second half of that show, and what we're going to do now, uh, is to talk about the degree to which that same principle applies to blindness organizations and to uh, entities that serve the blind so that and and if we decide that it does or that it might how do organizations characterize themselves and how does this impact what we need to believe uh, about the realities of these organizations so that's essentially what we're going to be talking about that's an exciting sound i like that so, Mr. Brian, what sound was that? <laughs> it was. It's a. It's an ESPN sound, I think. Huh. well, could be. I heard it too. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm very tender when it comes to sports-related things, though. Right? Now. Yeah. Boy, the Bruins. God, oh, Friday. Yes. Anyway, I'll set that aside <laughs> now. You brought up ESPN. I will remind yeah. you. Uh, yes, I did. So, so to me. Um, we really need to be careful, uh, as usual, about defining what we're referring to. When you say propaganda, Paul, it, it has in our society a negative connotation. Um, when we talk about uh, varnishing, Branding. as you called it, varnishing yeah. the truth. You know, you think of uh, post speeches where there's the room where the spin doctors are busy trying to convince the media of what was most important of what we all just heard. Sure. And as I said, when we did deal with this topic in more general terms, um, <laughs> buyer beware. Whatever you hear, buyer beware. So I'm going to throw out an example of something that we, when we want to look as a, uh, a class of, well, citizens here in the United States, we frequently quote 70% unemployment of blind and visually impaired people. Now that's a shortened version of 70% of blind people are unemployed or underemployed. But the definition of unemployment, when you try to compare it with what the media describes for general unemployment, they're not comparable because the numbers that we've used over the years were uh, extrapolated by what people knew through a variety of different uh, surveys, polls, those kind of things, and then applied to the likelihood that X number of people are blind because 
in a uh, test area, X but, number of people were blind, multiplied by whatever. So when you do that, you've got to be careful in the definitions. Unemployment, no. when we're gauging Why? the blind. Why? Why? Why do you have to be careful? In my opinion? Yeah. Uh, because I honor the truth. But, okay. So, so 70% of with a lot of... 70% of blind people are unemployed. I mean, that that that's a, a statistic. Um, who who would be who would use that statistic? Oft times used when you want to convince somebody that we need more programs, more funding, so that we can break the back of unemployment among blind and visually impaired people. So. Rehab agencies? Sure. Private not-for-profits who run programs right. uh, seeking to help blind people find uh, employment. Organizations uh, of the blind? Certainly. Across the um, board. Yeah. So, so everybody uses that particular statistic and loves it. And, and, and they, they love it, frankly. Whether it's true or not, yes, and and they're going to use it whether it's true or not. They have been using it, though. There's been a trickle of new new information that's flowing out there, but uh, it's not marched out in quite the same way. Uh, well, and, and, the unemployment it, statistics it, for blind people has been based on how many blind people don't have a job. While that well, for the general public, it's how many people are looking for work and haven't found it. There's a big difference. Well, I think that the point that that I'm making for the purposes of, of tonight's exercise is that right. virtually everyone uses that statistic and and actually regards it as a statistic that they want to incorporate into anything that they write about. Yes, even if they know it's not true. We, I think that's right. Uh, I think that's right. I think that's right. <clears throat> um, I, and and, and I, uh, I know there are actually a couple of people out there in the audience who are already eager to get involved. And in a while, we're going to let them because I, I, I want to try to make this pretty pretty interactive. But I want to spend a little bit more time um, talking about um, talking about two things. Um, I, I think that particularly in the field of blindness, we, we are dealing with a topic where uh, it, it, it is not nearly the same uh, as dealing with, say, uh, Outer Mongolia or the United States or Canada uh, countries. When you talk about blindness, there is immediately uh, that comes into the minds of most of the people who look at the issue a notion of who blind people are. and. I think one of the one of the most important things that we're probably going to discover tonight is 
the core issue that determines the way that people talk about folks who are blind and blindness in general um, is going to be is going to be colored particularly um, by um, by what what it is uh, that those organizations are seeking to do and and it it doesn't have very much to do i don't think um with um with pure um logic so organizations or so so statements like 70% unemployment essentially uh, are are going are one of the few that is going to be the same across the board most other statements about people who are blind uh, are going to be are are going to be have have a different um, characteristic, if you like, depending on the organization that operates with them. So, Marion, any thoughts about the 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 early stuff, the propaganda that we're talking about so far? <clears throat> I think that people. The only thing I can um, would say right now is. Um, this early on in the program is I think people use um, those figures and, and not just the 70% unemployed, but those types of things, depending on um, which kind of organization for different reasons to accomplish different things. Sure. Yeah. And it just, not always it's just, good reasons. It just happens to be one of the few that people really like. Right. <clears throat> and they um, like it for different reasons. They do. Um, Rick or Larry, any thoughts? I don't know. I think that the uh, a lot of what we hear in terms of figures, the thing I don't like much is the way they arbitrarily put labels on things. You know, in fact, I've heard people say all many of the people who are blind aren't working, for, and they never talk about why they're not working. Maybe they're retired. Maybe they've got some other reasonings as to why they can't work, but labels are hurtful or can be hurtful in many respects. And yep. you know, I think we're we're probably going to get there eventually. But but based on what we've talked about and what I've been listening to so far, uh, I think people use labels and things for their own purposes sometimes, and mm-hmm. it, and it doesn't necessarily boil back to truth. It's in essence what will make. Make your Whatever, case. Your case, actually. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. yep. I, I, I always find it interesting, you know, when people say, and we say it quite often, that there's been no advancement of employment of blind people, um, you know, for decades. It's been 70% for decades. But we're also saying that you know, essentially that that 70% number, a lot of it's based on folklore. Right. So, um, you know, it, it, <laughs> To some extent, you know, and I'm not, you know, pretending for a minute that unemployment is less than seventy percent. But, um, you know, we, you know, we're not necessarily doing ourselves a lot of good by making people believe that you know we're we're largely unemployed. Um, Seven out of ten blind people are freeloaders, and therefore unemployable, right? Yeah. Seven out of ten blind people you know, are living I, off the I country. Mean, I, I mean, there's any number of ways to look at it. Those people yeah. that 
are the 70% who aren't working and are perfectly comfortable not working take refuge in those kind of numbers, right? Because yeah, it, right. Because it gives right. them, um, you know, uh, it, 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 it validates. I'm in good company. Yeah, it, it validates their position. So the 70% uh, can't be wrong. But but do me a favor, yeah. Paul. Uh, yeah. define, define the word propaganda, please. Um, well, uh, I, my my definition of propaganda is probably not as absolute as many as many other people's <clears throat> are. Um, I believe that that propaganda is um, information which is put out by an organization uh, which is which is specifically intended to forward the interests of that organization, regardless of whether it's true or not. Isn't propaganda is also negative only based on history? And we think of propaganda, we immediately think of World War II and some of the exactly. things that came out. We, we do. World War II. We, we, we do. And, and, and we should think about World War I as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we should, we, sure. and, but, but, but in my view, in my view, when we hark back to those things, all that we're doing is, is, is losing sight of the fact that there, there has been and will always be propaganda and and that perhaps perhaps the most accurate thing to say is that is that propaganda is what any organization does uh, to to uh, to assure its survival and to to maximize the degree to which the point that it wishes to make is there. Yeah, I, I like what you said earlier when you when you talked. You put it in the same context as branding, right? Yes. Yeah, because because branding is all about uh, marketing is all about developing a need, right? Creating a need or make, making people feel that there is is a need for something. Now, pr- um, propaganda uh, got a bad name during the Second World War because we on this side uh, alleged that um, that 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 the Nazis. Um, we're, we're attempting to influence our soldiers. The fact is we were doing exactly the same back to them. Both sides, both sides really, um, utilized, utilized the same, the same approach. So I, I don't, I don't think we, we, we should operate in a holier than thou position with regard to propaganda. Anyway, um, Miss Marianne. Let's let's see what a couple of people think of the the notions that we've raised so far. We have Eric, who I just you may you are on you are able to speak. Eric. No, you can you can unmute Eric. Rick Roderick's been trying to get in too, but he just lowered his hand. Yeah, he did. Okay, we can move on. Yep, Rick is back, so let's let's recognize Rick and then perhaps Andy. Am I unmuted now? Yes, you, you are. are. Yes. You can hear you now. Thank God. <laughs> uh, I've been trying to kick the door in for ten minutes. Yeah. Um First of all, propaganda is just history. 
no matter how we look at it. Um, it's just the word of an item, a thing that's been pushed against each other. Um, yeah. The 70% thing, where do people find these demographics? Um, I'm in my mid-60s, and with blindness, I have found uh, that it has been uh, a slowly building thing to a, to a rapid building thing. Gotcha. To a nothing at all, to a little bit, to a nothing at all. And now I think I'm done. <laughs> I, that could be. Um, <clears throat> and in between time, looking at the 70% in the demographics, I've been in the, the vocational rehab parameters during the homemaker living skill yeah. era. Yep. Gotcha. And within that time, I've had to relocate uh, to a northern rural area in California. Yep. Uh, I think we still have horse and buggy out there somewhere. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we're pretty bad. Uh, and it took me a while to get linked up with the organization. And when I did, the DOR rep just wasn't real outgoing as yeah. far as leading me. Yeah. Uh, and then I had a health issue come about. Um, when it was time for reevaluation, I do apologize for taking time, uh, but I'm about to be reevaluated again. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know where to turn because when she called, uh, it seemed like I was being attacked. And all she kept saying was, we, we invested that money into you. What are we going to get back? And all I was asking for, first of all, I went from seeing to now I can't see. And I, I'm trying to do things that I know I can't do anymore. And I'm hurting myself physically. Mm -hmm. I want to be retrained. Yep, I, I I think that's fair, and, and but I think that that's that's part of the part of the problem with folk rehab, um, and that is that that um, that they they earn their money by the number of people who actually are successfully put back to work, and so when they can't put you back to work, they get upset. Um, but I think I think your point is well taken. And to answer your question, I think that um, I think that Brian was was trying to give us a, a fairly long explanation of of where these stats come from. It goes beyond this program, but we will we will cover it again. So keep tuning in to Tuesday topics. Um, okay. We've 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 talked about where it comes from before, um, but we're using it tonight as as an example of uh, one of the things that organizations of and for the blind um, use 
in 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 order to create a, a notion of themselves. So, yeah. so that's what we're really talking about tonight. Well, but thank you so much I mean, for your that's call. One of the points is that the one organization that's local has stopped its uh, thing, whatever, with me because of this thing with the department of rehab yeah so it's just frustrating so thank you for listening oh you're welcome and 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 call back when we're talking about employment some more and we'll spend some more time talking about your particular situation man okay thank thank you you. yep miss marianne this is rick roderick rick can i meet hey rick there you are rick is unmuted hey rick Uh, Yes, what I wanted to say was uh, several things come to mind. You know, the, this throwing around this 70, 80% all the time obscures a lot. You know, one of the things that I'm concerned about that I think we need to understand is what effect does technology have on our employment? And we can't, we toss the same figure around all the time. We don't really know. Secondly, I want to bring up the fact that uh, when I was a rehab counselor for as I was for about 10 years, uh, we met with employment services. And one of the, the questions that they asked was, what jobs can blind people do? Well, that's like asking what jobs can sighted people do. It really varies. And they they wanted to put us all in a you know in a, in a this category. The third thing, when you talk about propaganda and organizations, if, you know, there are books, you know, like, I can't think of the name of the ACB, but NFB had uh, Walking Alone and Marching Together. And both books, you know, put the organizations in each organization that they were living the history of in a good light versus the other one. Sure. I would like to see some kind of a history of the organized blind that would be a little bit impartial, that would talk about the problems and the successes of both organizations. Right. I think that that would be an, an, an interesting thing. Um, of course, AFP would argue that they sort of did that with a, a book called The Unseen Minority. I'm not sure they did. But it, it's it's certainly another perspective, and 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 I think you're right, um, Rick, to 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 raise the fact that both of both of the two books that you point at are are attempts to um, to sell um, each of the organizations that they're writing about, um, and both sides would argue that what they're writing is the truth, and what the other guys are writing. Um, is uh, uh, not the truth as far as they're concerned. Uh, both writings could so, be categorized as apologetic. I think they could. Yep. Rick, good points. Paul, Thank you for your call, sir. Uh, Brian? Paul, you were president uh, during some of the years while, that, while the ACB book was being written, were you not? I was. Um, I was uh, so, I was not president when when the book came out, and I was no. not president when the last part of it was shaped. <clears throat> right, but however, yes. however, generally speaking, uh, 
your fingerprints are in there somewhere in the storyline. So were you asked by the writer to read the part of, that included your presidency? No. So one thing people need to know about these two books is they were both self-published books. They were funded by the organization whose story is told in the, those pages. Uh, it, I was a little involved. Uh, I think my name appears in the book once. Um, this isn't very complimentary, to be honest with you. Uh, but nonetheless, this idea that um, if it's printed, it must be true. Uh, well, it has never been true. No, never been and, true. And and I think the truth is that uh, I don't know how to say this right. Um, I think the truth is that even within an organization, um, the individuals who are responsible um, for the shaping of um, a book. Um, are the individuals who are painting the picture of the organization that they want painted, and 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 that organ that may not be <clears throat> even true, uh, or or seen as true by a, a number of the people who are involved in that organization. Um, I think that, um, I I th I think that people of vision. Um, doesn't include lots of things that it should, and uh, and and perhaps includes some things that it shouldn't. Well, it you know I I read at least one proof of an early edition of the book, mm -hmm. and and you and I both had opportunities to speak to the primary writer. Yes, um, who or, or both had, both of them really. Yes, who had starry yep. eyes about Derwood McDaniel. Yes. So, again, they were not disconnected from that that they were writing, uh, which automatically means, I mean, there's, there's a word being popped around all over the place right now, and that's bias. This is bias. That is bias. Yes, absolutely. The human condition is bias. Uh, we have our own life experience that informs our opinions. Uh, and you try to write something that is fully objective. And if you hold yourself to that, uh, you're going to be very frustrated. Very, very frustrated. There's going to be times when you don't know that what you're writing is, in fact, uh, overly affected by your personal opinion. I think that there are a number of things that the blindness organizations do that are disingenuous. One is the phrase, the largest organization of the blind. Or um, I, I think the you strongest and I, organization. Yeah, I think you and I both eschewed using that um, phrase when, when we were in power. We, we, 
I, I know I certainly tried very hard not to use that phrase, <clears throat> mostly because I don't think it means anything. Um, yes. why, why do the number of people who are members of an organization have anything to do with what that organization represents and does? Um, it's it, just it, a superlative. Yeah. That's all it, it is. It's a superlative. It, it is, and, and for, for me, a pretty empty one. People love numbers. It's sad. Yes. Yeah. And and we get we get uh what's the word for it? We get hung on those things all the time. Oh we numbers do. may sound good and then when somebody compares your numbers with other numbers, we fade into the background of insignificant. We're and a the- low incident population. Low and, incident and- population. And let's be clear, let's let's take your example for a second, Brian, and, and go a little further with it. <clears throat> the National Federation of the Blind continues to say it's the largest organization of people who are blind. And they don't say people who are blind either. Um, but the largest organization or the largest blindness organization, the largest organization uh, of the blind. Um, but the point is that that our members and the general public have probably pretty much accepted that because ACB has certainly not jumped up nearly as much as we potentially could have um, to challenge that, mostly because I think a lot of us don't consider it very important. But the fact is that there are loads of people who are listening to this program right now who are saying, boy, I don't agree with him. It it would be great to be the largest organization of, of, of blind people. Um, and we're not. No. And I'm going to use this other as an example also, Paul, and that is when it comes to number baiting. How do you like that? It's a new word. I just came number up with. baiting. That's good. Number baiting. Um, you know, my numbers are bigger than your numbers kind of thing. It's a comparison. Yeah. That's going on, right? Yeah. So ACB, we don't say we're the largest. We simply don't. We may say we're the leading organization. Yeah. Right? It's it's still uh, in your very wide definition of propaganda. Propaganda. Sure it is. Uh, it's based on opinion rather than statistics. Uh, but nonetheless... Uh, we do use that to uh, thump our chest that, you know, we're, we're great. We're the ones you should be listening to if you're going to bother listening. That kind of thing. Uh, I do think, Paul, though, that it's not a particularly blind, specific situation. Um, other service organizations lions, um, uh, elks, etc., etc. People tend to compare themselves with others. It helps make uh, a fence between us and them, which is, I think, part of human nature to some degree. But it also means that you paint a pretty picture of everything associated with you and you kind of question 
the accuracy of the other, whatever it might be. I, I, um, but you, you try day, not to talk it, about the other. I mean, it did. Right. But yeah. you do whisper about the other, the. Maybe. You know, for example, I've heard, I've heard many a conversation that the 50,000 figure that NFB has quoted over the decades uh, and that never fluctuates. Though I haven't heard it quoted in the last couple of years. I, I, I don't know whether whether that's a statistic that they no longer are comfortable with. Um, but, you know, but, when, but, when they yeah. kicked California right. out, the number didn't change. What? No, that's true. They kicked California out? I'm sorry, oh. I, I got stuck on that. <laughs> oh, this yeah. is, a long this time is ago. the history long of ACB oh. a long time ago. Not last week. NFB kicked ago, yeah. their California affiliate out, and it was a massive affiliate. I didn't know And that. they eventually joined with the ACB affiliate and became the California Council of Blind. Uh, anyway, the, the idea, though, that um, some things perpetuate. You said it once, and it lives on, like in an echo chamber. Sure. Uh, and that's, that's one of those numbers. But yeah, people were saying, oh, there's no way they've got 50,000. There's, there's just no way. Look at this situation and that situation. Here in my home state, they only have X number of members. Uh, while our affiliate is bigger than theirs, they claim they have more members. Yada, yada. I mean, you get involved in that kind of uh, uh, tug of war over the facts. You have to really decide which ones matter. And I agree with you, Paul. Numbers are less important than uh, what? Impact? Right. On whatever your cause is? So if, if we were to... If we were to generalize, I would be prepared to say, and it'll, it'll, we'll, we'll see what the what the rest of folks say. Now, I I would be prepared to suggest that um, in the in the eighties and nineties, um, whether we like it or not, uh, the NFB did a better job of selling themselves than ACB did. Yes. Um, that was for, though, for, for some interesting reasons. Um, they, they did a better job because, uh, because they had lots more money than we did. Um, and that's fine. And that's a good thing and, and, and good for them. But, but they also, I think, um, were, were interested in taking sole credit for a lot of activities that we were working on together. Um, and, and we essentially sat back and let that happen at least to a degree. Um, let's back up. You say together or yeah. that we were working on as well. Which of the two uh, do you mean? I think I mean as well, more, more often than, I than I, so. I, I, but I, I, yeah, I mean, during, during our administration, we tried very hard to make that together, um, and we we certainly worked as hard as we knew how um, to 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 try to, uh, to to 
to do some things um, that that would enable us to to indicate that um, that we were both working on the same things. And I would argue, by the way, that ninety five percent of the time um, through the history of 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 the blindness system, maybe a little less than that, but but a very high percentage of the time, the the NFB and ACB are actually out for the same things for blind folks. I think we are. It, 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 it is not. It is mostly, in my experience, um, a matter of how, not yep. a matter of what. But we, uh, both entities want there to be a higher level of employment among mm-hmm. blind people. Yep. Both organizations want better education opportunities. Both organizations want to see blind and visually impaired. Uh, people uh, generally more accepted in the uh, community at large out there. So, yeah, we agree on those things. We start to disagree on very specific things, some of which are based on differences in pretty fundamental um, philosophies. Um, right. And, you know, philosophy is a set of opinions, right? So <laughs> NFB frequently describes blindness as a characteristic, not a disability. Okay? Right. What makes, yep. what makes it feel like a disability is how the sighted world right. treats blind and visually impaired people. ACB. And, and- has never claimed that blindness is not a disability. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and another example of that that is similar is is I think that the, that the NFP feels like um, it needs to be perceived as the organization that gets things done um, because of uh, its governance. Uh, our organization. At, at least in the past, we can argue whether we're changing now somewhat, but in the past was very much a confederation where we had state affiliates yes. and special interest affiliates, whereas the National Federation of the Blind was always a top-down organization that is with a lot of power centered um, in, in, in the national board and not nearly as much power with state affiliates. Yes, NFB at least appears from the outside as being a national organization with subdivisions. Right. While ACB comes across more as a collection of organizations. Right. Like you say, a confederation more than a uh, a unified... A unitary government. Uh, unitary yep. government kind of thing. Yeah. Again... We are both organizations are, I'm putting guilty in air quotes, guilty of of promoting what benefits the organization. Yep. Um, absolutely true. Uh, there's no denying that. Uh, I don't point the finger saying shame on you so much. Uh, you've got a limited amount of space, a limited amount of time, a li- limited amount of attention 
to do what you're trying to do. Right. So under those circumstances, you can't tell the whole story. You're not given the time to do so. So you tell the part of the story that achieves or at least gives uh, the consumer of that information the impression uh, that you want them to have. The, the, the information that we put out to the general public, whether it's ACB or whether it's NFP, is, is essentially the information uh, that, that we want the general public to have. And so it, it, it is very much A, branded, B, uh, at least to a degree, propaganda. Um, and, and, uh, I guess for me, um, it's not necessarily bad as long as we recognize what it is. Yeah, but that's very much what I, I believe. I, at least those things that I uh, interact with, I feel when information is there, it's believed by the end by you know the affiliate, the uh, member of staff, or the whatever that they truly believe what they're saying is accurate. Yep. They also the more professional individuals also it would acknowledge what we're saying here that yes they emphasize the positive and don't find time to deal publicly so much with the negatives yep in the negatives yep. right our organization and most organizations like ours is shrinking yes we don't give much time uh, to acknowledge that and make decisions based on that. Should we care that we're shrinking? But by putting it on uh, the public back burner, uh, there's not enough discussion about it to formulate a reason for change and and we're certainly not going to as as the lions are not going to <clears throat> frankly as afb is not going to as nfb is not going to uh, because they they may well be shrinking too but though i don't have information to support that or statistic to support it but but the point that i'm really making is what we're not going to do is we're not going to go to the general public that, and say we're becoming a smaller and smaller organization of blind people. Nope. Nope. We're not going to do it. Uh, and again, I don't know that that's a bad thing. It, I, think I don't think it is. It's a bad thing if you portray yourself as growing when you're shrinking. That's correct. That's correct. Um, I, I think that's the point. And, and one of the I, places you, also... Go ahead. You can persuade yourself as as growing stronger because you're branding better, because you're reaching out better to other folks. So you you can make the same point, and that's what we that's that's why what what we're saying is the organizations, whether it's NFB or 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 ACV or any other, is creating a brand for itself and creating a place with with within the system where it believes it can survive and thrive. Yep. Absolutely. Miss Marianne, you do we have, have some folks? We do. 
We have Johnson Richard, and yep. you may unmute. And then we'll recognize Anthony after that. He left. I, oh, I he did. Gonna, I was going to do it. I was going to um, recognize him now before he had to go, but he left. Oh, well, Mr. Richards. You may unmute, sir. Well, Let's we see. have we have Michael Cole, Mike Cole as well. Hey, Mike. Very good. Mike, you may also unmute. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Yeah. This is really a fun conversation, you guys. Um, <clears throat> just a couple of thoughts. As soon as as soon as people group up, they will promote their group. That's just what everybody does. That that's kind of one of the functions of being a group. So I I too got a chuckle out of um the inflated numbers. And you know, the agencies for the blind do it too. They'll say, We oh, yeah. last year we served 70 billion people <laughs> on, on a weekend. <laughs> and if you say to them, you guys, I think you could hurt your cause by saying stuff like that. Oh, man, they'll stick to their guns <laughs> and say, it's no, we do. And and, and it's it. partly because every little phone call, every little something, somebody writes it down. It still doesn't equal 60,000. But oh. the idea is to promote by sounding important and uh but i wanted to say something else just uh, <laughs> this is probably um a little controversial but you know within our community never mind our organizations we have major factional differences whether we think they are or not for instance we still have a distinction made by a lot of people between being blind and being visually impaired we still have people who say, oh, when I get to the airport, the first thing I do is say, bring on the wheelchair. And we have just as many in our group who say, are you kidding? I would never do that. Even if it's hard for me to walk, by God, I'm going to walk. You know, we have all kinds of people under the rubric of blindness. And they all have a different take on what being blind is. I mean, some people, older people who were protected by their families if they're fortunate enough yeah you know feel really dependent and feel that that's proper that blindness is the end of life there's nothing more to do i'm not i'm not viable anymore and then of course we run into people that get, bring joy to our heart when they are out there kicking butt in yeah. their 70s and 80s and <clears throat> and you know it, we got it all in our community. I think our community is a microcosm of the whole darn world. And, you know, I just think it's great that we have each other. And I love, I love being with my blind friends. Um, it's reassuring. During COVID, I'll finish with this. During COVID, <clears throat> I had a couple of friends that would call up and say, what are you doing? I said, nah, nothing much. Of course, that's that was the standard answer. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd say, yep. well, can I come over? I mean, we can sit outside. I just got to be with some blind folks. Yep. 
I've had that feeling many times, and I, yep. I'm lucky enough living in the Bay Area, I get to live it. Uh, I I heard Eric on earlier. Eric comes to a group that I host on Mondays for our lighthouse, and he always has a lot to say. He's a good man. Anyway, you guys are good, too, and thank you very much for doing this. I think it's a fine brain teaser. There you go. Thank you. Well, thank you Thanks. for calling. We, we appreciate your appreciate call, it. Mike. Thanks. Ms. Varianne. Well, let's, Johnson Richard, can you unmute yet? Are you able to unmute? Okay. Then I believe that 608 um, area code is... is um, Peter, maybe? Yeah, Peter. Peter, you may... I heard unmute. something there for a moment. There you are. There. There we go. <clears throat> this is Peter, yeah, yeah. from uh, Baraboo, Wisconsin. And Richard Johnson, this should be down in Janesville. But... Um, uh, I, this this issue of propaganda, I mean, I, I think one of the things that we run into is there is a kind of propaganda out there that says not all work is worth doing. And that um, so that that when we when we start talking about that that 70 percent number that we are looking at uh, the the success stories. And we look at the number of people who have become lawyers, who have become um, therapists, uh, who have um, are running, you know, major major computer programming, and that um, uh, not so long ago I knew a guy that worked for um, um, GM, and he was part of the assembly line, and I was like. I was just as awestruck at by his ability to continue to work in. Uh, he worked uh, first in assembly, and then he worked in the body shop eventually. And that um, um, he, you know, that it was manual labor, and and I don't think that we, um, even in the blindness community, that there's a kind of of. Uh, disdain for some of the manual labor kinds of uh, positions and that we don't raise those up as um, equal, uh, as being equal, uh, equally valid for. Yeah. I don't um, think we don't on. think we do so much anymore. We used to, um, but it's a good point, Peter. Yep. Yeah. So I agree. what do you, what do you think about the propaganda uh, element well, I mean, I, that that part of that propaganda element is is not just within the blindness community, but within society in general. Somehow or other, uh, plumbers are thought to be less valuable um, than lawyers, and that's really true until you've got a clogged toilet. But that, yeah, <laughs> um, um, you know that there, there is. I, I think that uh, Mike is right that we have that is the value of the community that we share is is the most important part of what we do. Um, but then to be able to um, mutually support one another in the work and the positions that we have, um, and, and find ways of of uh, putting uh, putting 
those jobs out there. I don't, that, um, I'm not sure that, that voc rehab looks for um, positions for blind people and low vision people to be in the plumbing industry, for instance. Yeah, I, 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 I take your point. All right, sir. Well, perhaps we'll hear from you a little bit later. Let's see who else we've got. I think Maybe. Um, Richard Johnson, Johnson Richard has unmuted. Hi. Um, Hi. Hi, sir. Hey there. I um, graduated from high school in 1964, and my classmate was secretary of the ACB. Um, what? Hmm. Don't worry about it. That's fine. Oh, am I? Can you still hear me? Yep, we can. Um, I, I, I was too young. I was in high school when NFB and ACB split, and that fifty thousand sticks in my mind because they said it for years. And also, yep. um, I was on a committee in Janesville for traffic lights, and they allow two a year at ten thousand apiece. And there was a member of the NFB on there, and I didn't represent necessarily ACB, but I talked to Kathy Brockman, and she said, ACB says that the, the local per- people determine uh, what goes on, and an NFB person says it comes from the NFB headquarters, and they control the lo- they control whatever they say is true in local uh, communities too. Also, I'm. I'm on the board of directors of Alliance, and Alliance claim that they're the largest organization in the world. And they're also a member. I'm going to be vice president of retired Kiwanians. They never say anything. They're losing members, so they don't say. But um, the interesting thing is they were talking about membership today, and they said, we haven't lost any members because the clubs have dissolved and they go to different clubs. There you go. Yep. That makes sense. So, do you think um, do you think propaganda is a, a a problem, Richard? What do you think? Well, I think it's it it depends on how it's used, and of course, I think the NFB has changed for the better now. I don't think, but um, they use propaganda uh, certainly against the ACB in the beginning. I don't think they do it as much anymore. But yep. some, you can use propaganda to damage or propaganda to help and it depends on how you want to use it yeah i think that's a good point and i think your point about <clears throat> the way that nfb is interacting with acb now is a good one i think our two organizations are actually um working better together than we have for a long time so i think that's a good point thank you richard So, Marianne, anybody else? Had some weird message just pop up. No, we have no other hands currently. Okay. So, so let's let's go in a slightly different direction, Brian, and talk about okay. organizations for the blind. So, local. You and I lo- think alike very frequently. So, yes. we talk about of. There's the whole yep. of. Uh, when I say verses, I just mean as as comparable to the four sector. Yep. So, in in this group, um, I would I would include local organizations, which are uh, to 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 use a term that most of us would understand: lighthouses for the blind, um, all over the country. Uh, I I would I would include. Um, 
organizations, national organizations like um, uh, of of private agencies. I'd in, I'd include AFB. I'd include NIB. APH. Yep. Yep. What kind of what kind of message are they interested in, or, or is there? Can we generalize about the message that that organizations for the blind are 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 putting out? Well, keep in mind that private not-for-profits and all three of the ones we're talking we're, we're mentioning at this point, at least, are not-for-profits with APH yep. having a unique situation wherein there is a line item and, in the federal budget. And, uh, and NIB as well, at least to a degree. Right. So, yep. But nonetheless, um, those organizations that keep their doors open through donation have to paint a picture of how their entity helps blind people get on with their lives. Uh, that's, a, that's not a bad message, not a bad message. But occasionally, occasionally, you get this give to us so we can help the poor blind people. Uh, you, you see it in fundraising letters, mm -hmm. in annual reports of these organizations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the tearjerker stories of, of so-and-so who was blinded when her uh, boyfriend uh, shot her in the face. Well, already your heart goes out to the woman, right? And and she's putting her life back together, and the and this organization that's asking for your money is uh, is part of how she's getting there. Uh, but boy, it's such a fine line between it being a pity party and uh, and being and about right. being, yeah about the achievement rather than the. Uh, heart, you know, what bereavement, the violin strings, you know, the violin yeah. strings start playing. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 I think it was accurate that. that in the past, the pity party was everywhere. Oh yeah, and um, and it was it was it was a very successful thing, and and, mm -hmm. and it is probably an indication of how successful organizations of the blind have become that organizations for the blind have had to alter the way um, that that they seek to get money yes I, I tell organizations that raise money uh, I hold their toes to the fire I said understand you're raising money on my reputation Mm -hmm. Right. If you make blind people look pathetic, pitiable, then you're making me look that way. I yeah. resent it. And I'm and out. I will call you on it every yeah. time. Mm -hmm. We talked the other day about uh, this 
business of dining in the dark. I was just going to mention that, Brian. <laughs> I was just going to mention that. I was just going to mention it. Now, you know, to some degree, I see the fun Ugh. in that, right? There's this TV show on, right? Ugh. Blind Date or something like that, where the two people have a relationship without ever seeing one another. Uh, and then at the end of the show, they meet one another literally face to face. Yeah, that's different. That kind though. of stuff. They get to know it, each yeah. other on a, an emotional level, right? So it's yes. a good thing, but. Yes. I, there were, uh, I got to throw in another group of entities, fundraising entities who raise funds for a specific thing. Um, I, I joined the local Lions Club here uh, and was a member for about a decade because I was sick and tired of having people, having the Lions go out and say, you know, we're the Knights of the Blind. And all their money, all of it, went to blindness prevention, blindness you know, sight research, right? To keep people from being blind or to cure people of their blindness, kind of thing. I'm already on this side of the river sticks, you know? Yeah. And uh, if you're raising money in my name, which you are doing for the blind, uh, then, you know, cough up some cash to help those who are blind to achieve things whatever that might be and uh, there, there fairly used successful to be, but yeah there used to be a lot of a lot of money that went to blind folks and blind issues from lions and it would be interesting to know why and how that all changed and and how we got to where we are with that organization because i don't know the organization has changed dramatically over right. the past 20 years. Right. It may be growing in numbers worldwide, but it's, um, it's mission struggling to maintain its... Right. Well, they expanded. For example, they decided to help those who have hearing loss. And the hungry. And, and the, the disasters, hunger. the you know yes. those those no. affected by and, disaster, and, and all of those things are worthy causes. Sure, but when the general public hears lions, what do you what do what does the general public think lions do? Help yeah. the blind people. Help blind yep. people. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, so that's. But I I feel the same way when it comes to. Um, any entity that raises money uh, because when people give money to anything with the word blind in it they think they're helping blind people uh, I, I, they do excellent work there you need research money you know the the current ways to deal with wet macular degeneration right that yep. was funded by a lot of charity dollars. Sure. And it's it's terrific that there's a way to arrest it. And there's a way, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying this is part of the fabric. 
of the blindness uh, universe. The you know there's the foundation fighting blindness. Uh, a lot of people who are uh, newly diagnosed to have RP. Um, you know, I was blinded suddenly, so this didn't apply to my experience with becoming blind. But to become blind slowly, holding on to every right. moment that you can hold on to that. I can see where your motivation is to kick that disease in its ass, right? Raise sure. money, solve it. You may academically know it's not going to help you personally, but you're angry at this thing and you are going to do everything in your power to, hold on a second, my Bluetooth earpiece just rattled. Am I so still the hearable? You are. So the question, Good. Brian, I guess, or, or at least one of the questions that, that, that I that I have is, is there a conflict between the propaganda of organizations of the blind and organizations for the blind? Certainly. But absolutely. We are trying to promote as a um, consumer group that mm -hmm. we are as capable as any other group of doing things and not only being the recipient but being the producer mm -hmm. I, I think i've quoted my father before saying you should never be embarrassed to need help and ask for it you should only be embarrassed to be able to give help and refuse it so using that general philosophy uh, sometimes blind people need more than just respect they need assistance to get beyond what they think of themselves and what society generally thinks of them as a blind or visually impaired person so i don't mind things like i get an extra deduction in my taxes i i get uh, some other things because blindness can to mitigate blindness can be a very expensive proposition. Right. Blind people can earn more on Social Security. Those kinds of things, I think, are yeah. fair. I think they're fair. Yeah. yeah. I, there, there are, there's good reason right. for some of those things. Uh, right. But for an entity to put a picture of a little blind girl on their fundraising brochure starts to feel a little much like usury like jerry's kids so yeah. i think consumer organizations promote ability and um for organizations make their they promote disability i think that's it in a nutshell so they are it's, it's absolutely very close to that they are absolutely in conflict so who gets hurt? Well, if you try to change society's attitude, 
about what it is to be blind, what the potentials are, what the problems are, and how they can be mitigated, all that kind of stuff. Then I think it's not so much individuals as perpetuating myths right. of blindness because we don't right. all speak with the same motivation. Right. Now, I hate it when people say, well, when NFB and ACB can get together on something, then I'll listen. Because uh, there's an awful lot of other things where there's this thing called uh, we respect different points of view on things. But when it comes to this for the of the business, uh, and I've served on boards in both, and I worked for an of or for the blind. And yep. I've been a lifetime member of, of the blind. You know, it, it's a balancing act. Uh, I do think we are hurt anytime there's a perpetuation of a pitiable condition. Which it goes back to that kind of dining in the dark stuff. Who gets hurt yes. by that? But but us when we're portrayed when what they're portraying is how awful it is to sit and eat a meal as a blind person. Like that. That's it's so offensive to the to the average blind person. And clearly, it's it's propaganda too. By it's the way, propaganda. Well, certainly, and, it's, and that's not the only place it happens. Uh, some blindness organizations of the blind have proven uh, the need for audible traffic signals by blindfolding a sighted person, right. a public figure typically, and having them navigate across that street. Right. That's not what blindness is like. You know? I think, uh, I, I think though there are organizations of the blind who do dining in the dark as well. Oh, absolutely. I haven't seen it here. I've only in seen it in the fours, but probably, yeah. And I would be and, appalled. Uh, one of the one of the interesting things though, uh, in 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 the way that some of the organizations of the blind do it is they have and and I'm and I, I would like for organizations if they would do this more often, the of organizations um, have blind people serving. That is yes. that's one way, and the other the other thing that we have talked about and and um, thought we'd do at some point, and then got sidetracked by our expo was to have a, a, a dining situation where um, the, the table was mixed with blind people and sighted people, and they had the opportunity to ask questions about how it's done, and maybe you know maybe you put a um, an adaptive device on each table, and you know you where you're all nobody's blindfolded, but you have. Right opportunity to ask blind people hey how do you do that um that's another way that you can do dining we were going to call it dining in the light or dining in the day I, I don't remember but you know it's you could do a dining situation but to blindfold sighted people is just so pointless i've got a personal story about dining in the dark um kim and i went to the louis braille 200th birthday celebration in paris and uh Judy Dixon and Doug Wakefield were with us, and we wanted to go to the original Dining in the Dark, which is in Paris. So we did all the planning. We went to the place. 
and they wouldn't let us bring our guide dogs oh. in. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Because people could trip over them. <laughs> wow. They had blind employees, and those employees would take their guide dogs and tether them in a room set aside for that very purpose. Because having a dog there is just too much of a tripping hazard. Mm -hmm. Anyway, nonetheless, so I have to admit a certain amount of uh, about the whole whole business. I think, though, um, again, partnering. This is one thing that I'm, I really love about ACB. We are not at all reluctant to connect up with other entities when we have like goals uh, and the like. Um, so, you know, uh, we end up having associations with entities where we may be joint fundraising. Blindness organization and a for the blind organization working together on a uh, together fundraiser or maybe it's a um, you know, the Carroll Center where I worked we did a, a an annual walk and the booths where people could look at things buy things that kind of thing uh, before and after they walked the road they learned a lot about blindness mm -hmm. you know, how to use a cane uh in general kind of terms um how you can do certain recreational things with a bit of adaptation that kind of thing and so it was a good mix of of and for in that and uh, a significant number of blind people do that walk so there's some good things like that that, that do happen and I think that anytime we can educate the sighted public about what a blind person could do if they have the proper tools and techniques to do so, um, really speaks well for the public's image of us. I'm still of the opinion that people learn about what a blind person is capable of doing by a personal interaction. By watching, by being with. Yes, a personal interaction. Yeah, not, absolutely. Not a, PC, a PSA. Yeah, not a PSA on TV. Nope. That's not, not a brochure. Yeah, not. Got to be a so, personal interaction. And they forget. Oh, do they forget. Let's talk for a minute about national organizations like NIB and AFB. Um, how is their message different and what kind of propaganda are they operating with? Well, of course, NAB had its original charter, right? To help federal contracts get down to industries for the blind. Yeah. Um, doing manual labor. Um, and of course, and one of the one of the fascinating things is that is that that uh, put them almost immediately or relatively soon 
in major conflict with one of the organizations of the blind and and in less major conflict with the other uh, over yep. the failure to pay minimum wage in, in sheltered workshops. Yep. Um, exactly. So their their message was their their message was certainly different um, than than the message um, than the message that um, can that organizations of of blind people were operating with regard to what they did. Um, so what was what is the propaganda of these national organizations like APH, AFB, NIB? What 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 are their issues? And, and I guess the 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 organization of private agencies would fall into that category too. Sure. Well, one is AFB is reinventing themselves. Correct. They took a first swing at it and divested of many things because they believed that they were spread too thin. They were doing a little bit mm-hmm. and on a lot of topics. So they spun things off that they felt had value to other entities, and then they tried to redefine themselves. Now that Eric Bridges is their new CEO, uh, I'm expecting, quite honestly, for uh, another reinvention of mm-hmm. AFB. I do think that they they have a real value in research, uh, in promoting federal dollars, charity dollars, into research about blindness. Um, we were talking about that 70% at the beginning of the show. Well, that 70% was extrapolated through a lot, looking at a lot of different studies by a, an N, I mean, AFB employee. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of research can be very, very valuable. We have oh, a I lot of so. that happening out of Mississippi State mm-hmm. um, and the like. So, AFB, that's a good thing, and they're not portraying blind people uh, as a means of raising money. I get all their fundraising stuff because I'm a member of their board emeritus. Um, So I get all of that stuff. I do too. It doesn't, it truly does not play the pity card to do it. But they're financially struggling. So sometimes I think, you pay a price for that. Right. I I think that what, what I would suggest is that there, there seem to be there seem to be two notions. Um, organizations of the blind are interested in, in promoting things blind people can do. That is things that and and things that blind people need to uh, need to to be given the capacity to do. Um, national organizations, I think, are are more interested in promoting possibilities. Um, 
So I see national organizations essentially trying to sell the need to understand and the need to uh, more effectively provide a range of services, more effectively provide a range of products, more effectively provide notions of what the best way forward uh, for employment and service to old people and service to kids is um, if those folks are blind. So I, I think they are selling, enabling the system to be more effective as their primary approach to propaganda. Would you buy that, Brian? Yes. I would too. I but think that's very accurate. Simply, yes. Um, it's interesting that um, there are some publications out there, um, Access World, for example, which uh, gives uh, AFB the opportunity to publish things that they've been researching, but also publishing things that inform both blind people and the blindness system, if you will. Um, but, you know, I've quoted them in making my case about one thing or another, as I've advocated. So it's, it's a useful function uh, to do that kind of thing. I think Access um, World is, is really the only consumer-oriented um, publication that that is being published aside from AF, ACB and NFB. Um, yes, I believe that to be generally true. The you know, but again, again. So let's get away from AFB and talk about APH. Okay, they provide a service to the, well, first to the blindness system, uh, and secondly, through what they do, their aids, devices, uh, how-to manuals, training materials, and the like that they produce and can make available through the quota system. Uh, I had mentioned earlier that they get a line item in the federal budget. And that determines how much value each child in each grouping of children uh, can buy kind of on uh, with tokens. I'm going to yeah. that. With tokens. Get, <clears throat> correct. Okay, so under those circumstances, APH serves both the system, primarily special education, and the people that those systems serve is where they really touch base with uh, most of the people who benefit from their activities. It's interesting that um, I've been to APH a couple of times. Um, and they, to me, seem essential. Uh, I, I have on my dining room table right now a magazine 
where you take something like the pen friend, right? A, a uh, recorder, digital recorder inside of a pen. Mm-hmm. And you touch points on each page of this kid's magazine and the pen will speak a part of what's on that page. Any text that's on that page gets read aloud to the child in a child actor's voice. Lots of voice. The thing cost the set to get the first year is $250. Um, And then there is a subscription going forward uh, into future years. You get 10 magazines, uh, each on a different topic. Now, most families cannot afford $250 for this kind of thing. Um, but there are, I, I so often see somebody invented something and they're trying to find a purpose for it. Um, this looks more like somebody saw a problem, including people with reading disabilities uh, in a holistic way. So I'm excited about that potential that is more than just APH, this federal agency's quasi-federal entity uh, doing that kind of work. But boy, do I see a lot of things being passed off as um, life-changing technologies and those entities uh, buying ad space and such whatnot to promote right. their products. That, I have to admit, gets a little bit under my skin. Uh, because once again, the general public doesn't see that those are for-profit companies selling devices to individuals and right. the government to benefit blind people and, and but and but but they're they're these companies are perfectly prepared to tell everybody that this is what blind people need and so you got to buy them yes. for them yep yep so we we haven't talked about the national library service do, do, do they have propaganda well it's always been my opinion that propaganda is what do you tell them and what do you fail to tell them <laughs> so, right now, um, I feel like there's more communication coming out of NLS than there's been in some time. Um, there's uh, webinars on how to use their devices. Yep. Um, that kind of thing. At the same time, as you know, former president of Lua speaking to from former president of Lua, that they stopped doing talking book, was it talking book topics? Yes. In in large print. They did. Uh, and blamed it on paper shortage. Yep. Uh, but we, the blindness community, weren't told that until it was a done deal. Yep. We weren't put in a position where we could advocate in any way, shape, or form. 
Now, we're benefiting in a way because there's the Braille on Demand program, which is funded uh, from the savings from not doing talking book topics. But yep. nonetheless, there's there's this whole business of where are you going with the money you get from the federal government in my name? Correct. And 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 I think there is I think there is a need for branding and propaganda there as well. Um, that 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 says to the government and says to the public in general as well. Um, you know, we're we're performing a an absolutely stupendous service, and um, and we need you to recognize that and continue to provide the funding at the level that you that you currently do because of all the the really cool things that we're doing yes yeah uh and and again they are doing some pretty cool yes. stuff I'm, yes they I'm are not, they i don't think they're yep. i don't think they're misrepresenting I, I don't think so either um i do think that they're not as transparent as i would like mm-hmm. as they're looking at what my library is going to look like five years from now. Right. I think that there are some of our earlier folks who have their hands up, Miss Marianne. We have one. Um, Rick has his hand up. Rick. Yes. Welcome Mr. back. Mr. Roderick. Yes. Uh, I, I wanted to speak about a couple of things here. One is I, I think what's exciting at APH now is the museum. And you know they've got the Helen Keller, all yes, they do stuff. And they, they, I went to a seminar this past summer about her, and basically, it got into it wasn't just the stuff that most of the public gets you know, about, like the miracle worker stuff. It was about her whole, the very complicated life, and about her political causes, and it really got into a lot of that. Now I want to talk about something with NLS, and I do find that there are a lot more transparency than they used to be. There's more communication, but that's the thing that's bugging me right now. They have had all this problem with getting out some of their Braille magazines, like Harper's and Reader's Digest, that they get them, but they're way behind. And there's apparently a problem with the publisher. I don't even know who the publisher is. Who the publisher is but it's you know there's equipment they say is you know a press has failed or something and they they just haven't been able to get things out and uh yet i feel like we don't have all the details and if somebody uh if they can't get it out shouldn't they just give it to somebody else to get it out and that's really frustrating me so here here's my answer to that and i in full disclosure, my wife is the director of the Braille and Talking Book Library at the Perkins School for the Blind, which is one of the nation's four largest such libraries. <clears throat> so I know a little bit about this. One of the problems that Braille has had is we had traditional large Braille presses, such as National Braille Press, uh, APH, um, Come on, what's the other one? Uh, Clovernook. So one of those major publishers went out of business. 
Actually, two of them did. Now, now it's one went out of business. Another no, one went th- out of business. Three, three of them. Three of them have. Um, because so, we we had we uh, also had triformations, and we also had yes. the one in Philadelphia. Yeah, whose name I it's escaping me right now. But we've had a real pinch about these things. Yes. Now, the next thing that happens in the scheme of things is we're moving technology differently. Instead of using uh, the Braille equivalent of an offset printer, where uh, the Braille dots are embossed on metal sheets that are put into a giant on a giant rolling pin and wet papers pulled through and there's you know so they end up creating this uh, magazine by doing that kind of thing or they use a braille embosser where electronically pins are punched up to make the braille dots and they're two-sided ones and that's a lot of moving parts and uh, they break down so the breakdown story i think is a correct one but at the same time that's not coming out because they wrote a contract with the one of the big presses um there's braille on demand and they just increased how many books you can get on that instead of what was it one a month or yes. one a quarter it's now one a month something like that if they would get everybody that e-readers it would make it so much easier to have braille in general yeah and magazines and and magazines and and braille and anything mm-hmm. exactly get us our and, and they certainly they certainly have gotten out a lot of the readers but not uniformly no not there. in florida not in pennsylvania well, two pretty I've big got, states i've got yeah i've got an mm-hmm. opinion about that but uh, I'd have to be offline. Okay. Um, yeah, Rick. Thank you so much for your for your input, sir. And who else no, we got? No other hands right now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. I All thought right. we were being controversial enough that somebody would come oh, out. And Peter just raised his hand. Peter just I popped his that. hand up. Just popped up. There you go, Peter. Well, I'm, I'm, I think that this is going to help the conversation, but that, um, first of all, the thing that I'm reminded of from the earlier part of the, um, our discussion is all institutions of any kind are shrinking. Um, the uh, church participation is shrinking. Um, the the uh, fraternal organizations, their membership is shrinking, that there is a kind of um, distrust of inst- uh, of the institutions that have been part of the fabric of our society in the past. So, um, as we move forward, that that this whole um, institutional trust um, is going to depend on how we are able to brand and what kind of propaganda we're going to spread. I think that that's one one of the things that. Um, I, I think we have to be aware of, and that, um, and then the other piece. Uh, Eric Carter, out of Vanderbilt University, um, has been doing a lot of work with disabilities. He's he's primarily well. I I think he's 
completely with uh, cognitive disabilities, mm-hmm. but that um, he he uh, says that when whenever there's a program that is going to engage uh, one of the disability communities, that uh, the social response initially is always no. That um, that. To, to deal with people with disabilities always disrupts the status quo, and therefore the answer is always no. But that um, the, the, as you integrate uh, the, the people with disabilities into your work, that uh, the, the initial response is we want to do, uh, do uh, mission ministry um, activity to um, the person. That uh, yes. we want the the person with disability to be the receptor, right? And um, yes. and then and then he says, and you move from two into four, so that um, but when when you're doing it to the person uh, or the community, that there is no input from the community whatsoever. When you get to the level of four, um, that you have some involvement of the community you're serving um, with with the direct needs as perceived by the one who is uh, providing the services. Um, and then sometimes you get into that uh, we do, that we do uh, work with or, or do work among uh, the people with disabilities, and uh, that's that level where the, the uh, normal society, the able-bodied society, is usually in awe of uh, the, what the community with the disability is able to do. Um, and he says, but the, the goal is always to be able to do, um, do work or ministry with um, whatever community it is, recognizing yep. the gifts and the abilities that, that they have and incorporating them into the structure. And um, I, as I... Um, explored the different national organizations. The reason that I'm part of ACB is that I think that ACB is an organization that strives to do work with um, rather than be the passive recipient of. Yep. Good point. And, 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 I, think, and I think that, that, uh, that the continuum you described, Peter, is also well worth thinking about as 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 a, a way that we might want to sell uh organizations for the blind to think about the continu- the continuum of working with us always yeah. with the aim to getting to with yeah yep. yeah well and 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 i mean that's why i mean i really love the collaborative mentality of acb yeah um yeah. Anyway, that, um, Peter, thank, I think thank you Eric so much. Carter has done, done a yeah. great job. Yeah, thank you. Yep, yep. Um, so we we've we we haven't had a lot negative to say uh, about the kind of propaganda that that organizations uh, for the blind operate with, really. Um, except, I guess, to say that that they often try to portray folks who are blind as less capable than we might like. Um, are, there, are, are there other propaganda issues or other 
other differences in terms of of the way that these organizations operate that we need to be concerned about. I think there are two or three. Um, there, I've unmuted my audio. There you uh, go. Yeah, there are a lot of them. A lot of them. Name one. Uh, I think. Rolling. Yeah, I think. I think one is there. There is a tendency um, for blind people themselves to be undervalued by national organizations for the blind. That that it, and and to to use Peter's notion that they're doing work for and they and they very seldom get to the point where they're prepared as much to do the with as they should be there was an interesting case uh it's called england the i know that royal place. national institute for the blind mm-hmm. became different the royal national institute of the blind uh and that was a pretty amazing transition i i i think it's still more a name change than it is a general philosophy change but it's moving that direction it's still moving in the direction of of rather than exclusively for I, I think there's I think there's more buy-in. So so yeah. I think you're right about that. Yep. But then you get other entities. Uh, you had mentioned lighthouses. Yep. Right? Would you say the word lighthouse instills confidence? Yeah. I mean I, I think what I think what the, other the, what other group have lighthouses? Um, people who are trying to prevent shipwrecks? <laughs> no. Um, sobriety societies. Oh, do they? I, I didn't oh, know absolutely. That. Absolutely. When I first, because out in the West, they don't call them lighthouses at all. Uh, I'm talking about blindness entities. Yeah. Uh, well, no, well, Seattle Lighthouse that's... is a lighthouse. Seattle Lighthouse yeah. is a lighthouse. San, oh, San Francisco, Francisco is. There's one in San yeah, Bernardino yeah. too now. In Pennsylvania, there are PABs, Pennsylvania Associations for the Blind. Huh. Yep. Right. So, in in, in general, um, I guess I I hmm, I'm going to re rethink what I was about to say. Okay. Please. Continue. So I think an, I, I think I I think another area where we where we need to be concerned. Um, is that um, national organizations generally have boards of directors. Uh, I I don't think that many of those boards have as many individuals who are blind who are part of them and who are directing them as they ought to have, which means that their governance tends um, tends to limit what the population they allege they're serving um, is going to get input into the kinds of services that they're providing. That's correct. I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's less percentage than we would be comfortable with 
had we been there in their founding and all that kind of stuff, right? Right. I would say, however, my experience on the AFB board was uh, if Brian said something, the other members of the board would pay more attention. They'd quote me constantly in these meetings. Yeah. Brian said this and Brian said that. And so I had to be really cautious about throwing out just an idea that I hadn't thought out very far. Because the very fact I was a consumer gave me credentials while I'm sitting at a table with, you know, the vice president of uh, Pitney Bowes or the mm -hmm. vice president of a major bank or a major hotel chain or whatever. I mean, these guys made more money sitting in the meeting than I did that year. <laughs> but they treated me with respect as to, gee, this is a guy who actually, you know, this is, this is the kind of thing we need to believe coming out of the mouth of a blind person. I also think uh, there's a number of these organizations like Eric, blind person, heading up a major national organization. Sure. Uh, so AFB is there. Uh, NIB is not. However, they do have a, an important program within their uh, activities now of raising up people who are blind or visually impaired through the system into management training. Right. Uh, that's been quite, quite effective. Right. Uh, so there's more of that input um, from the employees in that respect. I don't know how the culture works at APH. Uh, they have a, a number of blind employees. They do. Uh, and one... And, and one, so does AFP, to, to be fair. Sure. Uh, yeah. Again, as you look at those kinds of things, then I think that we do have more input um, than just our numbers. Yeah, I mean, I actually, are... I actually think that across the board, that that the negative elements of national organizations are lessening rather than getting worse. You know, I think to to, to put it in a more positive way, I think. I, I think that at the national level, people are more cognizant of the fact that, that we need to be consulted. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a good thing. Um, so You don't want to put the in... What is it? What's that old phrase? Don't put the inmates in charge of the institution. That whole feeling has faded, I think. It's faded during the years I've been involved. Right. So if if we if we start to summarize, uh, should should we should we actually say that as a field, um, the 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 blindness field is is less bothered by um, by propaganda than other fields are. I, uh, quite honestly, I don't think I can make any kind of generalization in that regard because I only uh, work, I've had my entire career in the blindness system. Um, so, so you can't compare? 
Um, I can't compare. I cannot compare. Yeah. Well, I, I well. Again, I, I'm, I'm primarily let, let me try, satisfied. Let me try putting it another way. Situation. Yeah. Let, let me try putting it another way. Do we think that? Do 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 we think that? Um, in in the blindness field, there is there there is less um, effort to hoodwink than there than there might be in other places. Hoodwink. That's a lovely term. I think so. Uh, I think the two things that people mistrust the most out there right now are uh-huh. government officials. Yep. So I think that the, you know, and we haven't talked all that much about Rehab. state agencies. Yes. No, we haven't. And we haven't talked at all about RSA and what impacts us. And we haven't talked about uh, the Department of Education and how it impacts us. Um, so generally speaking, I would say government officials, I have a real hard time believing what they say. Uh, that mistrust became so bad here in Massachusetts that we campaigned and succeeded at getting our commissioner at the Mass Commission for the Blind fired uh, about three weeks ago. Interesting. I didn't think so, I know. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it's an interesting story. Um, so I think that's one thing. I think the other thing that is a a, a growing thing, and Peter alluded to this, and that is we have less and less faith in anything big. The bigger it is, the more the general population questions what they're doing big oil big pharma big you know those kinds of things and as a result uh i see within those industries some uh spinning that people are having a hard time dealing with what corporate america tells them and if that corporation is the one that employs you that's got to be a, a difficult set of circumstances to be in. So I guess we're as good off as anybody else in the same way we keep saying the only thing blind people have in common is their blindness. Otherwise, we're a cross-section of humanity. Uh, the same may be true for organizations not of or for the blind. Will technology eventually do away with services for the blind? Getting closer and closer. Yep. AI, AI. So it's um, it's it's a it's it's an interesting element when you when you put some of the some of the things that are out there now um, that that it's possible to do. Um, it it it's interesting. It. It well, might there's one be. other thing I wanted to throw in here yes. before we sign off. Yes, sir. The impact influencers have. 
in this world. Mm -hmm. A single blind person can start a YouTube channel and say their personal opinion as if it is fact. And if they have a couple hundred thousand followers, big time impact. Uh, and not necessarily good yeah i'm not familiar with them do we have any blind influencers out there oh absolutely there's a woman in england who was blinded at the age of 17 who's doing a series of shorts that i came across on how she learned to put on makeup makeup my daughter brought that to my attention yes that that was one place that i saw her but also Mm -hmm. how one goes about using a guide dog right traveling uh Mm -hmm. how one goes about eating uh going to social events and but it's all based on her life experience uh and if that's all you see you're going to get a false impression of the wide variety of means to achieve these things and and the like so right. i get into this uh well again paul you were talking about possible future shows yes uh i really become very uncomfortable with the idea of blind people who've gone on to the speaking circuit sure um, you know, they climbed a mountain, or they ran in the Olympics, or they uh, got out of the Twin Towers before it collapsed, or you know, and none of this. I you know I admire them as individuals. You know, those are made a lot of lot of money doing it. They've made a lot of money doing it, but I don't know anybody who's interacting with those people so that what they say reflects blindness out there and the diversity of blindness. Uh, So I I worry a little bit about that kind of accidental propaganda. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, super blind. Do they do us a service or a disservice? Yeah, good question. It, it is a good question. So the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is I don't think, I don't think that um, we have uh, uh, done more than recognize that branding and propaganda is a major part of our life in blindness as it is everywhere else. And I think that we can also recognize that there's not a lot that any of us are likely to be able to do to make most of it go away. We can, however, notice it when it happens. And when it becomes egregious, I think we need to speak up against it. And I guess what I would say to all of you is be aware that truth operates for all of you just as it does for all of us. 
And if we don't stand up for it and challenge when it's not being told, truth doesn't mean very much. And I want to thank everyone for being here and say good night.